Good morning, everybody. Um, so the guys, I'm sure ladies that are married, you told your husbands all about it, and they probably yawned. <laughs> but no, we really had a great time. And Pastor Becky uh, gave us so much of the word. And, um, and I was so impressed. Just, I, I learned so much about your own journey and, and what God's brought you through. And that helps, you know, all of us. And it was good to get together with, you know, the ones, all the ladies and, and, uh, we had fun. Um, I tried to make a craft and my string got all tangled. <laughs> I spent the whole time untangling the string. <laughs> But anyway, I took it home. <laughs> but, uh, but the word was not tangled. The word was great. So, uh, so anyway, I'm looking forward to next year. Thank you, Dorothy. I heard some really good reports. Uh, one of the things that we like to do when we gather, something we call his story, her story, we give different people a chance to share part of their story with us. Uh, and this morning I've asked Ronald Brooks if you would, if he would share with us. Will you welcome him as he comes? This week, Ron had a birthday. His 29th. For the second time. Good morning, man. I was asked to speak about something, but let me do this. This man standing here was a bitter, angry, rage was, 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 was my blood. I wanted to destroy and bring this world to its knees and everybody in it. Celebrate Recovery showed me who I was, got me back on that rock that they're talking about. Who I really am. I'm a child of God. Amen. A blessed, loved, and cared for God, a child of God. Yes. Who was watched over 24 7, 360 years a day. This child was out to, was brought here to deliver the message, to bring the good word to y'all. This child got hooked up into something he wasn't supposed to. He didn't listen to his father, went on his own, got into stuff he wasn't supposed to get into. We all know what that is, don't we, parents? <laughs> but in the end, it took a struggle for me to come back through all of the other AANA and the rest of them. Mind you, I love these, those other meetings and stuff like that because they are, believe it or not, a Christ God based. But it took a little bit more for me to grab hold of who I really am and what I'm, so my purpose is in life. God meant for me to come here and deliver the message of love and not hate and destruction. Amen. It took Celebrate Recovery and the fellowship of Celebrate Recovery and the men and the women in it to bring me back to reality that I am love. <laughs> God's love is unconditional. There's no strings attached to it. 
That means when I look at somebody, I'm looking at God. I'm looking at Him because these are His eyes I'm looking out of now. Before I was looking at that, I was, these was the other guy's eyes. Look, destruction, burning, hatred. Celebrate recovery got me back to where I was supposed to be. The funny thing about this, I was in the hospital this week, over the last week. And the funny thing is, the last two years I've been in John Hopkins Hospital for the same purpose. And in that time, I met this young lady in there who's a member of Trinity Church, which is the other Celebrate Recovery. And we was having a conversation. I was having a conversation, and we was, I was telling her about the neighborhood I grew up in and years ago, where we used to care for each other, look out for each other. To the point where we didn't go to social services to get money to pay our bills. We got that from the neighbors. We ran out of food. The neighbors provided food. It was even to the point that if a child in the neighborhood was struggling in, the, in, the learn, in their teachings and learning, that some, one or two of the kids in the neighborhood who, ex, who was excelling in that area would come into that house and help that kid out. This I shared in the hospital, I think, on a Friday night, uh, no, a Thursday night. I got out of, out, of, out of the hospital that Friday morning. So I go to Lisa and them house for Bible study. As you'll discover in this study, the early church did, did, did excuse me, the early church did nearly everything in the community. They did not just meet together once a week. They shared life together. They taught one another. And they encouraged one another. And they met each other's needs. That's what God put me on this earth for. Celebrate Recovery has restored me to my sole purpose of life. God's son. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Ronald. Isn't it good to be part of a family? I think it is. I think it is. A sober recovery Wednesday night, 7 o'clock here on West 36th Street over at St. Luke's is where we meet. Uh, there are invite cards uh, back on the book table and on the communion table so you can invite someone to come. Let's pray and ask God for help as we turn to the scripture today. Oh, first, uh, sorry. We have uh, anyone that hasn't received uh, one of these uh, cards already, we just raise your hand if I can get a couple guys to grab the extras off the table over there. If you don't have one of these cards, I just want to give one uh, to you, please. All right, and also uh, last week I <clears throat> mentioned this book, The Case for Easter, which helps us ask questions of, did Jesus really live? Is he really a real person? Uh, was he put to death and did he come back to life? And there are a lot of people that you may not be aware of it, but there are a lot of people that are thinking about the fact that Easter is coming up. 
And national surveys show that most people say that if somebody invited them to church on Easter, they would come. But don't you know, they would also have questions and you can be helpful. And so I want to give away this book right now to anyone that will use it. Come on, I got more. (laughs) All right. Now let's pray and ask God for help as we turn to the scripture. Lord, I thank you that you saved us because you love us. I thank you that we are here to learn more about your love. I thank you that you've given us this opportunity in relationship with each other. And I ask that you would help us, help us to understand and help us to do something about it. In the name of Jesus, amen. So we've been in a series uh, that that card gives you some reading material on called Love Gives. It's an elemental, a basic, a simple message, a heartbeat an aroma, a signature of this church. A deep vein, like a vein of gold in the earth. Like the love of Ray and Dorothy, who celebrated their 33rd anniversary this week. Happy anniversary. <laughs> something deep, something strong. You see on the screen our primary text from First John. God is love. premise that we're working from, from scripture, you see on the screen, when I learn more about God's love, I can better receive it, be changed by it, and bring it to others. That seems basic, right? I'm up here. That seems basic, right? And yet challenging, right? Now, thankfully, God has promised that he would help us with that. And so from these basic scriptures, we've seen the attributes that you see on the screen as we have defined and unpacked the difference between a God kind of love and the human kind of love that we have experienced that we could treat God with a prejudice against his kind of a love, a lack of understanding of his kind of love, and instead be kind of mixing human love when we go to receive love from God and be confused. Right? That's not good for us. It's not helpful to us. So what we have seen is that God's love is faithful, patient, kind, and selfless. Let's turn to John chapter 15. John chapter 15. So we have been, um, and if you, if you need a Bible, just raise your hand. We'll put one in your hands. We've got extras. So this text from 1 John, we have been looking at this elemental statement that God is love. And it's John, the follower of Christ, the friend of Christ, the one who was close, the one who was, um, that you see over and over and in the counts that's writing this by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And I want to turn to a section where John is recounting for us word for word what Jesus said to them. And I'm hoping that, and I know that some of you are already sick of this series, you're sick of of me talking about this stuff in repetition, but you need it. (laughs) You need it. So, 
I want to turn to this elemental verse that you may have found confusing in the past and you may have heard quoted in the past. And I want to start with verses 9 through 12. John chapter 15, verses 9 through 12. And from the New Living it says, I have loved you. And Jesus, okay, this is Jesus talking. And in each mention of the word love in this passage, he's using the agape word that we've been defining, okay? And he's speaking, he's speaking to his followers as he's preparing them for his crucifixion. He's preparing them for what is going to happen. He's predicted that he's going to be put to death. He's, he's going to raise, he's going to come back from death on the third day. He's predicted that. He's washed their feet. This is the closing statements that he's making to them to prepare them. This is the important stuff. Somebody say important stuff. Okay. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. Many of your translations would use the word abide. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love. Just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in His love. I have told you these things that you will be filled with my joy. Some of you remember joy, joy? Yeah, yeah, joy, joy. Yes, your joy, joy will overflow. This is my commandment. Love each other. Again, the agape, agape word there, not human love each other. Agape love each other. In the same way that I have loved you, there is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. Now, I'd like to read to you from the paraphrase called The Message, these same verses just to try to help us a little bit. I have loved you the way my Father has loved me. Make yourselves at home in my love. If you keep my commands, you'll remain intimately at home in my love. That's what I've done. I've I've kept my Father's commands and made myself at home in His love. I've told you these things for a purpose, that my joy might be your joy, and your joy fully mature. This is my command. Love one another the way I loved you. This is the very best way to love. Put your life on the line for your friends. You are my friends when you do the things I command you. Now, this word abide, this word remain, make yourself at home is a good way of expressing it. We have to unpack the original language at times because English is a very limited language. It's not very expressive when compared to Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek that the original texts are in. And this word that Jesus uses, love, and this word abide, are really good examples of that. There is no simple, easy way to unpack in English what Jesus is expressing in the language and the words that he's using. And so it's helpful for us to define it. Would you agree? What he's saying is, stay in a personal relationship, connection, without interruption. Let me say that again. Stay in 
a personal relationship, connection without interruption. Receiving the love of Jesus starts very simply. It's, it's very comforting. It's life-changing. But it is not just, oh, cool, God loves me. No, Jesus' words are very specific. Stay in a personal relationship connection without interruption. Jesus' words speak of action, of us making a decision, of us choosing moment by moment, day by day, to stay in a relationship. And it's helpful to see the words, make yourselves at home in my love. That's, that's also helpful to unpack this. What we have spent weeks talking about receiving the love of God, and you've heard me say over and over, it's not about trying harder. It's about living loved, right? It's about receiving the love of God first and everything coming out of that, out of a love response, out of a thank you. It's not about legalism. It's not a merit-based theology. That's garbage. That's harmful. It is an inside-out kind of thing. It's not about what you do, and yet Jesus also says that what you do matters. Now, what we do must come out of a love response, out of a thank you to Jesus. Your motives matter. What's happening on the inside of you matters more than what's happening on the outside of you. That's why I endeavor to be very, very slow to make any comments about what I see on the outside of you. Because it is about what is on the inside of you and what is happening between you and Jesus. That everything in your life would come out of a thank you, a love response to Jesus. Are you with me? That's how, and I'm, I'm so thankful. This is very easy to talk about here because this is a church that gets this message. This is a church that lives out this message. And if you're here and you don't already know that, I'm telling you. This is a place where people get this. And that makes it easy to talk about. This is about choosing to love each other in a way that Jesus loves us, which results in building relationships. Last week, we were kind of on a part two. Love gives community. We were unpacking the definition of community that you see on your card and, and about it's our response and we, we, we took some apple slices and pieces of bread and spent some time to get to know each other and I'm asking for you, if you call this your church, to make a commitment to build relationships. Why? Because God knows what's best for us and that's why he instructs us to love each other. God knows that if we will all choose that, the benefits of that will not look anything like what we see in current events. We will benefit if we will choose this way. Let me go back. Let's go back and to the John 15 passage. You doing all right? I think... Jesus' words are more important than anything I could say. Let's listen to Jesus, okay? John chapter 15. I'm going to start in verse 1, okay? I want us to make sure we don't pull Jesus' words out of context, okay? I'm the true grapevine, and my Father is the gardener. 
He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. And he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they will produce even more. You've already been pruned and purified by the message I've given you. Now, he's ta- remember, but he's talking to his followers, not the whole public. He's talking to his followers, preparing them for his death, burial, and resurrection. You've already been pruned and purified by the message I've given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it's severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you... You may ask for anything you want, and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings glory to my Father. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in His love. I've told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends. Since I have told you everything the Father told me, You didn't choose me. I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. This is my command. Love each other. Again, every love word in this passage, Jesus is using this agape word. Now, I don't know about you, but I am very thankful that the preface to this is this truth. God loves you personally, powerfully, passionately. Others have promised and failed, but God has promised and succeeded. He loves you with an unfailing love, and His love, if you will let it, can fill you and leave you with a love that's worth giving. Aren't you glad that God promised his love to us and he delivered and that God asked us to love out of his love, not our own, and promised to help us? I'm so glad. Now, you see this plant next to me here. We've talked about the trees. We've talked about letting your roots grow down into God's love. I wanted to give a little bit of a different visual example. Jesus is using specific words. And the people that he's talking to are around plants all the time, different than most of us. Right? And they didn't have TV, the internet, smartphones, dumb phones. They didn't have any of that. (laughs) Who's got a dumb phone, right? They didn't have 
A million voices distracting them, pulling them other directions. And when Jesus spoke words to them, it wasn't, oh, church is over at 1130, now I go eat and I've got other stuff to do. No, this was like an all-day thing. They were like hours and hours together, conversation, question and answer. This was like soaking stuff in. And something must have occurred because this group of people that he spoke to, by God's grace, literally changed the course of human history. And even my friends who use the name of Jesus in vain do so in part because of what God did through their response to what Jesus said. So I think we should listen to Jesus. Jesus is saying, you, I am the vine and you are the branches. Maintain an active, direct personal connection with me without interruption. And what happens when we make mistakes, we self-medicate? There's interruption. I have your attention. What happens when we make mistakes and we self-medicate? I'm not here to say anybody's a bad person because of Netflix binging or smoking, or criminal things, or sexual addiction. That's not the point. The point to Jesus is not who's good, who's bad. That's not the point. Maintain a direct, direct, not through me, not through John, you, a direct, personal connection without interruption. My yearning, my desire to be in the Lord's presence, to receive His love, to share His love with other people, should include in it the motive of the benefits that Jesus discussed. There are benefits, right? My life will have fruit, it will have purpose, it will have meaning, it will be enjoyable, and I will experience joy, joy. That's what he said. That's some great benefits. There will be benefits, and if I do not, there will be consequences. Are you with me? I mean, we are a church that focuses on grace. We are a church that focuses on love. But Jesus' words include consequences. Right? So we need to make a decision to maintain a direct, personal connection without interruption with God. These words are specific And in that, there is life. When I brought this plant in today, my wife and Joe said, oh, you're not going to mutilate it, are you? (laughs) No, I'm just, I'm just softly touching the leaves. Let's talk about the results of the fruit just a little bit, okay? On your card, you have a few different translations on the side with the definition in the second half you have a few different 
uh, translations of 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 7. And we've read this a few times that we've put the name of Jesus in there in the, in the place of the word love to help us understand. But I want to do it a little bit differently this last time today. Are you ready? The love of Jesus in me is patient and kind. The love of Jesus in me is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable, and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. The love of Jesus in me never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. That's the fruit, the results of maintaining an active, direct, personal relationship, connection with God without interruption. It's a beautiful benefit. And if each of us were tasting this and growing in this and then relating to each other in that way, wouldn't our world be different? We are not talking about this for you to feel bad. We're talking about this because it's possible. And because God's asking us to engage with it, not out of our own strength and our own abilities, but out of His. That's pretty cool. It's possible. Jesus uses this love word in another passage that you've heard quoted many times, and I want to call to your attention. Jesus is asked, Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 through 39, we have this account where Jesus is asked, yo, what's the most important stuff in the book? It's okay, just take a breath, you'll get over it. (laughs) What's the most important stuff in the book? And this is Jesus' response. How many of you think this is important? He uses this agape word again. He uses this agape word again. Love God with all you've got. And love your neighbor the same way you take care of yourself. Jesus is asked what's the most important thing in the book, and that's what he says. Agape love. God with all you've got. Now, agape love includes making a decision that is not based on the other person being attractive or not attractive. Agape love includes love that is faithful, patient, kind, and selfless. That's the word that Jesus uses. Agape love God with all you've got and love each other in the same way that I have loved you. Now, come on, God is going to help you with this. God is going to help you with this. And you can and should ask God to help you with this. How many of you need help with this? Come on, right now, just say, God help me. See, you're not alone. We all need this. That's why those Ephesians and other passages, the pastors that write those things by the inspiration of the, of the Holy Spirit are writing it with the plural. All y'all need help with this. Because all y'all need to experience and receive the love of God and let your roots grow down into His love. Now, we're going to get practical. 
We spent most of this series talking about warm, fuzzy stuff that's also deep and really meaningful and life-changing. But I want to get practical and I want to talk about specific things. And it pains me, but we've got to start with a really simple question. So can you look at me and listen to me for a second? It's time to ask yourself, do I love God with all I've got? This is Jesus. This is Jesus' question. It's his, it's his, it's what we will. When we, everyone here, if you're a believer and you're going to stand before the judgment seat and all believers will stand before the judgment seat of Jesus, he's going to give us into account with what we've done with our lives since the moment of salvation. He's going to ask us the question and this is going to be the question. Do I love God with all I've got? And I'm not talking about in the ways that other people do. And I'm not talking about in the ways that are seen on the outside that other people have said you do or you don't or whatever. I'm talking about from the inside of you in the ways that only you know. You hear what I'm saying? Only only you, okay? So shed thoughts of anything else that are distracting you right here, right now in this moment. Ask yourself, do I love God with all I've got? Now, let's get real. This morning... I'm so glad to see you. And I know for a fact that for some of you, it's a miracle that you're here. Really. Because you're walking through hell. And you are walking through it. You're not going to stay in it. You're walking through it. And I love to see your faces here. It's amazing. It's wonderful. And you are here because you get this. But I, I want you to ask yourself a question. This morning... Did you love God with all that you've got? So I stay at the front with my eyes up at the front so that I'm not looking at you, not thinking about what's going on the outside because I know it's about what's on the inside of you that is between you and God. But when you chose when you were going to go to bed and when you were going to wake up, when you chose your level of expectation, when you chose how you would come and when you would come this morning, when you chose how loud you would sing, whether you would stand, when you chose what was coming out of your heart, when you chose how you would prepare yourself to walk into this room, did you love God with all that you've got? Now, if the answer is no, listen, forgiveness comes quick. Don't judge yourself. Don't wallow in bad feelings. That's not Jesus' way. Say, God, I didn't forgive me. The forgiveness comes. Get over it. Move on. Receive his love and forgiveness. This is not about legalism. This is not about somebody's a better person than another person. It's from the inside out. It's between you and God. And only you know And only you know what you went through this week. Only you know what, what, what it took for you to get here this morning. But I would be failing you if I didn't pause sometime in the year and ask, did you love God with all that you've got? Not this church, not this event. God. Do you hear me? Whether you like the song or don't like the song. Whether it's your style or it's not your style. Is your love for God faithful, patient, kind, and selfless? Do I love God with all I've got? Because until you love God with all you've got, you cannot love your neighbor in the same way that Jesus has loved you. 
It doesn't work that way. This is not about trying harder. This is about living loved. It's about receiving the love of God. And then out of an overflow, what is the words of Christ for the so that, for the purpose? The words of Christ is that so that your joy would overflow. This is not a place where we fake it till we make it. But it is a place where we must grow up into a mature love for Christ that includes, I will make a decision to love God because He is God. Whether I feel like it or not. And then what happens is that in that moment, God meets me. And what I'm feeling changes. We must come to a place of growing up as believers to realize that there are times when our thoughts and our feelings are not reliable. They can't be trusted. But instead, if I will go to the scripture where God was clearly has revealed himself, if I will go to other mature believers, and if I will then listen to the voice of God in my own life, then I can come away with thoughts and feelings that are reliable. And then my choice to love God, my choice to love God, will be met with a response from the inside of me, like Jesus described, that will be joy, joy, overflowing. It's possible. Are you okay? I love you. And I want you to hear me. I love you whether you love God or not. Whether you love me or not. Because Jesus said to agape, love your enemies. Means my call is to love everybody. Everybody. How do I do that one? Okay, thank you. My call is to love everybody. We had to lighten the mood a little bit, right? Okay, so let's get practical. Talk to me now. we got some brilliant, amazing people. We've been soaking on this seven plus weeks. This is number eight. Come on. How many of you are ready for this to be done? Think. Talk to me now. In what ways can we love God? I want to hear some very specific suggestions. Okay, pray. Let's talk about prayer. How many of you have found prayer to be difficult? My hands up, right? Okay, so let's unpack prayer. Prayer starts with time alone with God. Tog, T-A-W-G, time alone with God, right? I apologize to Ben Farrell, where is he? Okay, so it starts with time. Prayer doesn't happen without time, right? Now in prayer, I can rest in the glory of who God is have an emotional experience, have a mental, where it resonates with me, the truth of who God is. And if you haven't already read the book on prayer that's just entitled Prayer at the Table, I strongly recommend it for every believer. And then I speak to God the truth of who He is, right? And I also speak to God the negativity or the things that I'm feeling, the problems. I ask God to enter the situation I talk and I listen. That's prayer. That Jesus, Luke 11, gives us the power tool of the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, right? That's prayer. So prayer is one way that we can love God. That we can respond to Jesus' call to love God with all you've got. So it may be difficult, but I'm telling you, Earlier I referred to a vein of gold. You know, from the West Coast, you get the 49ers, all these other things out there that are about the history of mining gold. Gold, the gold rush started with gold flakes that were found in the, in the streams. And then they started to dig. 
prayers like this. Prayers like this. I'm still up here. Prayers like this. You gotta dig until you hit something. Loving God with all you got means digging until you hit something. You ever uh, uh, been around someone who, who lost something and they can't find it and they're just talking about it, talking about it, and then um, you said, so where did you look? And um, they didn't actually do any looking yet, they're just talking about it. <laughs> so the phrase in our house is, look until you find it. My, my kids hate that. <laughs> All right? Prayer is like that. Dig until you hit something. Because what did Jesus do? Right after he gave us our Father who art in heaven, he told a story about somebody who prayed and would not give up. Who would not give up. And Jesus taught us that for a reason. So that's one way. Prayer is one way we can love God with all we've got. What are, what are some other ways? Right. Private worship. Listening to recorded music and singing on your own. I got a call this past week from uh, a member who used to be here who lives in another state who was a part of our church years ago. Um, and he described how sometimes in worship we give instruction and give time for you to sing your own song. And he thought about how ridiculous, he told me, when he encountered that in our church, how ridiculous he thought it was and how he never got used to it, how he never liked it, but now it's the only thing he can do because he's broken and shattered and life is in pieces. But what he is doing every day to maintain his serenity is sing to God his own song. You'll thank me later. Private worship. Worship together. What's, what's another way we can love God with all we've got? Lisa. Right? Yes. So put your flesh subject to your spirit so you can be available to God. So unpacking what that means is that wake up when you don't feel like it. Right? To spend time with God. Um, uh, showing up here when you don't feel like it, which you all did. <laughs> right? right? Yeah, um, showing up to life group when you don't feel like it. Uh, how many, Ron, did you have any reasons to not go to Bible study on Friday night? No. Well... <laughs> In your body, in your flesh, really like so we could. Well, that is mentioned. I didn't want to get out of bed. I'm a little tired from the hospital experience. Yes. So just like Lisa, that's what Lisa's talking about. When I don't, when I don't feel like it, right? So, um, let me just throw out a couple other suggestions, then I want to move on to the the other point. Do whatever it takes for you to experience the love of God, receive it, and then throw it back at Him. And that includes reading the Scriptures to learn. Now, I don't know if you've noticed this over the past eight weeks, but this agape word love is kind of like all over the Bible. It's kind of like a big idea. So the cool thing is, is that you can open up Google and type in Bible verse love and get boom results. 
and have something to learn and follow some rabbit trails or whatever, but learn more about God's love for you and how we should respond. Learn. Learn. Learn more. Read to learn. A lot of good books, books back there that are free that you can read, uh, other ways that we can learn more about it. Um, there's also study. Uh, some of you have done this with, uh, with us before. Um, uh, kind of Christianity 101 should include word studies. How do you study the scripture? So there's reading it to learn, but then how do you do a word study? And we're, we're always happy to do a clinic on that because there's actually several principles to that. Because here's what I have found. There are articles posted on the internet all over and in apps that are just whack. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, what's interesting to me is there's actually a lot in the New Testament about false teachers and watching out for false teachers. Please do yourself a favor. Ask for help. Let's grow in the right way to study God. What you will find with us is that we keep it simple and we focus on what the Word of God says without getting complicated or weird or... You hear what I'm saying? Right? So study, learn how to study. And that would include what the Psalms over and over talks about in meditation, which would include memorization and praying a word, a phrase, over and over and over, working it into your spirit, a kind of prayer where there's a meditation that is helpful meditation that is body, soul, and spirit. Make sense? Right? Okay, let's go to the, the next one. Love others. How do I this? John chapter 15, man, Jesus was kind of harsh. <laughs> right? Jesus' use of the word command, and, and I just want to say this, because I talked about, you know, Greek and English and all that stuff. That English translation of command is how it should be translated. Jesus was speaking that strongly. I'm telling you to do something, and if you don't do this, you will be disobeying me. That was his words. That was the, he was using the street Greek. That was what he said. That's what it means. And he said, I have done what the Father told me to do. Now, what we find if we study the commands of God is that humans tend to add a whole bunch. And God tends to start off with the very, very simple, right? The Garden, Garden of Eden. God said, here's all these great things you can do. Just don't do this one thing. <laughs> what did they do? Right? So there's not many cases, and this is a good example with, of a word study. There's not a whole lot of cases where you see Jesus use the word command. But we are commanded to love each other. So uh, talk to me. Okay. So let me repeat that for the sake of the recording, okay? So what Dorothy is saying is that a mistake that she has made is by when she prays to not pray for others, okay? So that's a Bible study that we've done in our small group and that we've talked about and we have up on the website as well. This is one of the biggest secrets. We've taken a whole Sunday to unpack that um, a couple of times in our church history. This is one of the biggest secrets to your life changing. When you will pray for somebody else. Just two life groups ago for us, we just went over that, gave some practical to do and what to do. So one way that we can love others is to pray for them. It's a command, right? And it should be something that is private. What we're talking about, in, just to be clear, is private. Like you are by yourself, you're not physically with that person in that moment where you pray for that person. That is distinct from we should also pray together. Right? But one thing that's really important, and if you're married here, 
Um, will you please pray for your spouse privately and pray together? If you're not, and there's some problems and frustrations, there's your sign. You can pray to God and ask Him to change them. To change how they're thinking, how they're feeling. Now, He might not give you the answer you're looking for. (laughs) But you can also then ask your spouse, pay attention, fellas, new information coming across. You can ask your spouse how they would like for you to pray for them. If we would spend more time trying praying for each other than trying to fix each other, life might be a little better. That was an equal opportunity statement. So that's a good way. Pray for each other. What are some other suggestions? In what way can we love each other? Listen. Huge. Okay, so I was out here last night with the vigil for the gentleman Timothy Kaufman up in New York City who was slain by a man with racist ideologies who lived a block away from us. And that turned ugly. It almost got violent. Five separate occasions, I'm stepping in between people. Why? Because we are not listening to each other. Now, on a much lighter note, Brian, have you ever enjoyed it when I listen to you? Am I the best listener? No. It's true. You notice I didn't ask my wife. Loving is listening. Loving is listening. Now, men, we have this lesson to learn. Yeah, I got time for this. That... It's not every occasion that our wife comes to us with something she wants to talk about that she is also at the same time asking us to fix. <laughs> Loving is listening. Now, one of the, the great tenets of Celebrate Recovery, one of the reasons why it works, is because one of the things that we read all the time is that we're not here to fix each other. We follow God together. Listening. Praying for each other. Listening. What else? In what ways can we love each other? Time. What, what did you say before that? Give, give them your time. Listen. Tomorrow's not promised to you. I don't know when Jesus will return. Okay, not yet. <laughs> your time. You have three resources in this world. Time. Energy. And money. Time, energy, and money. And the most valuable of those is time. Because someday, all of us will be in heaven or hell, and there will be things that we can no longer do. Because when Jesus returns, the church will cease to, will have fulfilled its, its purpose. And the people that are in your life that don't know Jesus, the issue will be settled. We will have eternity to do many other things. But maybe we need to stop and ask ourselves, what can I not do in heaven? 
Maybe it's time to reorganize some priorities. Are you with me? Now you got to pay the bills in order to take them out to coffee. (laughs) But give them your time. Now, I, I love that Becky said that because one thing that I know about Justin and Becky in their neighborhood is that they give time to the garden that's in their neighborhood, but also they have a very full life with children. They host a life group. They do many things, uh, study the Bible, pray, um, write songs, help with worship. Do They do many things, and in the process of their life, they get interrupted by neighbors on a regular basis. <laughs> right? I know that I am not receiving the love of God and giving the love of God when I'm impatient with somebody who's interrupting me. I'm just talking about myself. I'm just having a moment. I said to myself, self, (laughs) right? God saved you. Listen up. This is good. We're coming to a close. God saved you because he loves you and you are the most like Jesus when you agape love somebody else. God saved you because he loves you and you are the most like Jesus when you love somebody else. Pray for them. Listen to them. Give them your time. We can have all this pent-up frustration about why doesn't that person... But yet God will give us opportunities if we're paying attention to do something that is meaningful for them that could change their whole demeanor, the whole way that they interact with you on, on the street. And really change how it all looks. Are you with me? There are many, many more practical ways. I I would also suggest we can love others by building relationships. Look around this room. No, really, look around this room. There are people in this room that are available for you to build relationships. It's time for us to go beyond the way we have been relating to each other. That was so good. I'm I'm so nice. I'm going to say it twice. (laughs) It's time for us to go beyond the way we have been relating to each other. Yeah. Me. Yeah. You. It's time for us to build relationships. To realize that maybe we've fallen into a bad habit of not expecting as much out of each other, out of God, not and just thinking that that person's busy and that they don't have time and, or that they're not interested in me because they always look stressed out when they come to church. It's time for us to push past those things yeah. and really love each other and, and intentionally build relationships with each other. There's some brilliant, amazing, humble people in this room that I can learn a lot from. And so can you. My favorite, with some laughter and some food. Will you stand with me and we'll close in a prayer. All right, are you ready to live loved? Receiving the love of God that he has for you, that is faithful, patient, kind, and selfless. I'll read to you this prayer one last time. And then pray for us as we go. Let me read this to you. I think it's helpful. God, you are more important to me than anything else in this world. 
Thank you for taking away the guilt of my sin through Jesus. Please help me to receive your love as you intended it. Please help me to be changed by your love. Please help me share your love with others. God, we need help. This isn't easy. God, we confess our own mistakes of not having received your love as you intended it, but being prejudiced by the love we experienced from other humans. Lord, we confess our sin of not always loving you with all that we've got and loving others in the same way that you have loved us. And God, we say we need help. We can't do this on our own. We can't do this out of our own strength. Help us to love you with all that we've got, with a love that is intentional, with a love that is faithful, with a love that is patient, with a love that is kind, with a love that is selfless. And help us to love others in the same way. God, help us to fill our homes our tables, and this room with people that need your love too. In Jesus' name, amen.